All right. It's recording. We're never we ready. Okay. Yay. Hey. Do you, do you need to hear the theme song? To get pumped. I feel like, yeah, I feel like she needs, yeah. she needs a, a jolt. I need caffeine is what I need. Welcome to our fifth episode of the My College Story podcast. I am Miranda Davis. And I'm Brian Motto. And we are the college advising team at All Saints Episcopal School in Tyler. Today's topic is college decision season. That's a, that's a mouthful. College decision season. Say that five times fast. No, no. no. So we are talking about this today because we are literally in the middle of college decisions. So April 1st is when colleges or around April 1st is when colleges are supposed to be giving all the students their acceptance decisions. And then May 1st is National College Decision Day, correct? Correct. So, and there are decisions that will roll in throughout the year, but every decision is supposed to be in the hands of the students again like you said around april 1st so they've got that month then to really decide where they are going to matriculate in the fall so this is when the true madness starts to happen this is when we see the students who are undecided kind of freak out because they see all of their options and they look at us and they say well i didn't plan on getting into all of these schools and we're like but we told you that you were awesome <laughs> and that you were going to, and then they just don't know what to do. Yeah. They're all excited about all the decisions, but then when it comes to it and they have to make a decision, that's when the, that's when they get nervous. Yes. So we thought, felt like this was a very um, pertinent topic to talk about. So the first thing we wanted to cover is there are so many different types of decisions. Um, there's acceptances, obviously the exciting kind. Then there's defer deferrals, wait lists, and then there's that terrible denied, but we have started to call it redirected, which we'll talk about. Um, so explain what the difference, I think deferred and waitlist are the ones that everyone gets confused on. So what's the sure. difference between the two? Sure. So when a student is deferred, a college basically is asking for more information. So they're not rejected. They're not accepted. They're living in this world of limbo where they're still in the game. The college wants more grades. Maybe they want to see new test scores. Um, in some cases, the colleges might actually want to have an interview with the student. But in some way, shape, or form, they're looking for more information so that they can make a decision about the student. It typically happens when a student applies early action. They're deferred for say seventh semester grades, which is that first semester of senior year, or again, new test scores, then what, once they receive those, that new information, the student goes back into the mix for review of that second round of, uh, of potential acceptances. Yeah. Which, and I think what we try to get into their heads, cause we got some deferrals this year and some of them were a little more, um, dramatic than others or more like, I don't know what I'm trying to say, but they were a little more heartbroken than we, mm -hmm. than they should be because it doesn't mean no, it just means 
not yet. Correct. And that's, I think that, but that's the hardest pill to swallow is now they're just having to wait longer. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, but, but yeah, absolutely. I mean, a deferral is not a no, right. Mm -hmm. So you're still in the game. Yeah. I mean, we've had some great deferrals that, I mean, we had one got into Yale a couple of years ago from a deferral. So it's Stanford last year. Exactly. So deferrals can most definitely have a great outcome. No question. Um, and going, jumping to wait lists, uh, a wait list means, that once the school sees where their numbers are after May 1st, at that point, they may or may not go to the wait list. And if you are on that wait list, there is zero guarantee that you are going to be taken off of the wait list and offered admission. Um, I've seen students offered admission as late as July um, of, you know, after, after graduation, their senior year. And so what we say to students who are waitlisted is, at that point, you've got to go to plan B. You've got to go ahead and get your heart set somewhere else. And if by some crazy happenstance, you get pulled off the wait list, then great. But otherwise, go ahead and plan on on being somewhere else. Yeah. Okay. So we call denied redirected. Why? I think we've talked about it a couple of times, but I think you were the one that brought it up that you wanted to start calling it redirected. Why redirected? So I wish I could take claim to <laughs> that, that, uh, terminology and, and the meaning behind it. But I, I saw it on one of the listservs, one of the, the college admission listservs that I, I, I read often and I loved the thought behind it. Right. And you know, I always tell students that this process has an amazing way mm-hmm. of working out the way it is supposed to work out. And so with that in mind, when a student is denied, uh, the way this this particular counselor wanted the student to look at it is, yes, you're denied from this school, but basically what you're doing is you're being redirected to the place that you really should be. Down a different path. Yep. And so I, I love that that idea and that mindset. Yeah, me too. Because I think this can be such a negative experience in some form of fashion. It's just another way to try to keep it more in the positive, right? Because you can get real negative real fast. Yeah, you know, the students, we tell the students all the time, to the colleges, it's not personal. But to the student, it is personal. So when they mm-hmm. see that denial, they think it's some sort of a, a referendum on their character or things they have done or have not done. And that couldn't be further from the truth. Um, and so, you know, we, we do want to try to keep it as positive as possible. Yeah. Okay. So you mentioned it earlier and you said something about plan B. So this has definitely been a, um, a theme ongoing for the past couple of years is we need to make sure. And what is it? Okay. Let's see. The quote is the most successful people are those who are good at plan B. So why is having a good plan B so important for us? In college advising, I think that I mean when you think about life just in general, how many times does it end up being Plan B? Uh, almost exclusively. So the idea behind that is, yeah, you. I mean, you definitely want to plan for Plan A, and you want to put your energy towards that. But at the same time, it's, it's how you react to Plan B and how you handle Plan B that is going to you know, help you achieve that success. And so we just, we want our students to make sure that, yeah, you've got, you know, most of the students, if not all of the students are going to have that one place in mind that they want to go. But if for some reason that plan A does not work out, uh, 
that plan B is, is going to be something that they can handle and react well to and roll with the punches kind of goes back to, you know, what we talked about, um, last time with Eon, just, just Mm -hmm. being able to have that good attitude about it and react in a positive way. Cause sometimes plan B is actually better and works out better than plan A was, or you thought plan A was. And, 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 you know, we can't see that, right. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you can't see the forest through the trees. And, and so plan B a lot of times is, is what they're supposed to be going back Mm -hmm. to the redirected. You're redirected to where you're supposed to be. And a a great example of that. And, and I texted with this student yesterday and, and received permission to tell his story on our podcast here, but, uh, Blake Bingston class, of, I think it was 2015, 2015. Okay. Um, Blake ended up attending Texas Christian university and it was a school that was not really on his radar Mm -hmm. when the process started. It was more of his like a quote unquote backup. Right. Yeah. Uh, A place, uh, you know, a likely school. Mm -hmm. Um, Blake was an an absolutely outstanding student, was president of the student body, was a captain of the football team, um, great in the classroom. You know, he he had all of the things, right. And um, he was looking at highly selective schools. And if the, if the really highly selective schools didn't work out, he was probably going to end up at UT Austin. Mm -hmm. And certainly that was on the table for him. Um, I mean, although UT is a highly selective school as well. Um, and he ended up submitting a, an application to TCU and because of all of his accomplishments and the type of person he is, he was invited to apply for their chancellor scholarship and received it. Uh, one of four students in the class to receive that scholarship. And, and what exactly that, is the chancellor scholarship for those that don't know? So the chancellor scholarship at TCU is their highest academic uh, award and the students receive, um, great financial assistance to attend the school. And, and even once they're there, they receive opportunities, uh, to, to really go above and beyond. Mm-hmm. And, and, Blake is perfect for that. And so he went, went to TCU, had a great experience at the chancellor's, um, competition interview weekend, and again, received the award and went, and I can't even imagine him having attended somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Uh, Every time we visited TCU, Blake gave us the tour. Um, he was a tour guide while he was there, uh, going back to the plan B thing. So not only was TCU a plan B, but then when he got there, he also switched his major. I mean, Blake had always said he wanted to be pre-med and ended up in the business world. And I think he still did pre-med. He just, at the end, he was just like, I kind of like this aspect of it better. Yep. And so is now uh, in the business world, living in, in Colorado and, and thriving. And so, you know, Blake handled plan B well mm-hmm. and, and it shows. And, and so. I think, so he talked to my class a couple months ago. And when we talked about that, you're like, you know, would you, I think I even asked him something very pointed, like, would you change the outcome? Like, of I know you were, you know, wanted to go somewhere different, but you ended up at TCU. And he's like, I wouldn't change it for the world. It was definitely the right decision for him. And I mean, he's the biggest TCU fan that I've met. <laughs> he was a great fit there. Yeah. Um, Blake doesn't know a stranger. He can talk Mm -hmm. to anybody. Um, 
I have no doubt that he was a, a big man on campus, even at a school of 9,000 people, right? Mm-hmm. Where, where, you know, it's big enough to get lost, but small enough where you know a lot of people. And yeah. um, I think he saw at least 10 people he knew every time he walked us around campus. Yeah, he was saying hi to everybody. And so it was, it was a perfect fit for him. Yeah. So... Mr. Motto, when have you had to, have you had to ha- go with plan B in your life? I have kids. <laughs> so plan B is all of the time. Yeah. Um, no plan B. Definitely. I can relate my own college story to plan B. Yeah. Um, I know in the first podcast, I believe I mentioned that my senior year, I was thrown a big curveball. Uh, I had some health issues had a pretty serious surgery that kept me out of two months of my senior year at school. And I really thought that I was going to end up playing, uh, receiving some sort of an athletic scholarship uh, to play basketball. And needless to say, the surgery knocked that completely uh, out. And I was really at ground zero at that point mm-hmm. with my college search. I yeah. thought that that basketball was going to drive drive my college search. And it had to that point. Well, mid-fall senior year, that's in the trash can, and I'm, I'm literally at, at, at a starting point. And so um, the school I went to, Hanover College, I did not visit until February of my senior year. Which is crazy. Which is nuts, right? It, it's, now, you know, the timeline today is much different than it was when mm-hmm. I went through the process. But still, even then, that was very late to really be getting into the process. And so... Um, you know, was very lucky to have good people surrounding me, helping me along that way. Uh, a, a gentleman my father worked with suggested we look at Hanover. We took a drive. It was uh, Hanover was about two and a half hours away from my my home in Dayton, Ohio, and fell in love with it um, the second I drove on campus. And it just, you know, we always say go gut feeling, and and right away I knew it's a place that I was going to be able to call home. And so uh, again, Plan B. Yeah. Yeah. I joked yesterday that I live in plan B (laughs) because I think, you know, obviously. So for my personal example, I, I think it would have to be post-college. So when I, like I said before, when I went to UT or I went to UT Tyler and um, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. So I, d- I did business and I loved marketing. So I moved in with that. But I uh, one of the reasons I stayed in Tyler was because I had this job at Green Acres. I was the children's ministry intern and had done that since I graduated high school. I think the summer after I graduated high school was my first summer to be the intern. And then they were like, hey, you're going to stay here. You want to keep doing this? We'll pay you. I'm like, absolutely. But I fell in love with it. And I still, to this day, still volunteer and I'm great friends with our children's minister, but I was convinced that after college, I was going to work in children's ministry. I was going to be a children's minister at 22. It was just high goals. Well, but my mistake was, was that, did, did that phone ring? Yeah, no. So did you know, I don't know if you knew, but when you graduate from college, they don't come running at you with a, job offers if you don't do anything you have to like apply and you have to go out there and like (laughs) network is a word I've learned um but I just thought that I could I it was going to happen that um it was just magically going to come to me a job and needless to say in October 
September after I graduated, when I moved into my parents, back into my parents' house, I kind of made that realization of a, hmm, yeah, um, so that's, I need to have, I have to apply um, for a job and um, it's not just going to come to me. So my plan A was obviously doing children's ministry because that's what I knew and that's what I'd always done. And um, I think at, at Atlanta in like September was kind of when I was like, okay, so I'm going to need to put a little work into it, need to be not lazy. They're not going to come to me. I need to put, I need to find something. So that's when I applied. I actually applied to be a substitute teacher at a lot of places, which is comical at this point. Um, but, and so, yeah, and that's when I applied here and that's when I got my job in development, which um, was plan not A or B. Um, but yeah, it just, the I think, being able, able to pivot and find that new path and that new plan B has definitely been kind of my path to where, where I think my plan A is working in college advising, working with students. I didn't know it was my plan A at the time, but it definitely and It's kind is. of children's ministry. Yeah. Maybe a little. That's maybe. stretching maybe a little bit, but. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's parallel-ish, but yeah, I definitely, my plan B definitely became my plan A. Yeah. A. You were redirected to where you needed to be. Exactly. I love that. Okay. So the hardest part of this time of year is making those decisions. Like we literally today have had multiple students come in our office going, how in the world am I going to make that decision? How can, how can parents, how can we, how can students help or figure out a way to make those hard decisions of where they need to go to college. So the students always talk about pros and cons. Yeah. And needless to say, that's that's always something that the student needs to do. But when we talk to them, we mm-hmm. talk about the non-negotiables that they are looking for and that they have to have. And they need to make a, a well thought out, well-researched list of those non-negotiables that are going to make their college experience what they want. And they've got to then weigh which college is going to, to provide those the best way possible. Yeah. And so, you know, we, we kind of beat that into their heads about what are your non-negotiables? Yeah. And that could be, I mean, we've joked, but that could be anything from like, I want an SEC school. Well, if that's important to you, then put it on your list, but it could be something as broad as that, but as something as specific as and I always joke, because this is always my example that I use, is there a Chick-fil-A on campus? I personally think that's important. <laughs> if it's important to you, then it's got to be, it, it makes your individual list. That's yeah. right. But but in real realistically, like, do they have the major that you're wanting? Do they have the program you're looking for? What type of, you know, what are you trying to get out of that program that's important to you that some call it, some of your colleges may or may not have? Yeah. What, what research opportunities might be available at the undergrad level? I mean, there's, there's so many different things and we want the students to be as specific as possible. Um, because again, that, that is really going to help them drill down to, to that final decision. Yeah. And I think it's also important for them to remember that it's their decision. It's not their friend's decisions. It's not, Mm -hmm. I mean, their parents obviously are a part of the decision, but it's not their college experience. It's going to be your college experience. So you need to think they put a lot of pressure on themselves, which is an important, it's an important decision. But at the same time, like we always, like you always say, 
it has a beautiful way of working itself out. And no matter, I mean, one, if you've done it right, you've made great decisions on where to apply. And they, you fought for them to accept you, and now they've accepted you, and now they're fighting for you to come to their school. So you can't go wrong any way you go. Yeah. It's, I think that's the right way to look at it. If you've, yeah. if you've done the process right, you should have given yourself schools that you'd be happy at regardless. And then it's just trying to find the best one. But know that whichever one you choose from your list probably is going to work out okay. Yeah. Well, and then visiting campuses again, right? Because it's different now that you've been accepted. Yeah. And I think that's the other part of it, right? So so definitely looking at those non-negotiables, but getting back on campus, mm-hmm. being able to look at it now through the lens of an admitted student of, yeah, this really can be home for yeah. me now. It's it's my choice. Um, and so, so getting back on campus, seeing it um, just that one last time, maybe talking to a few people um, it, that can provide clarity. Yeah. Talking to... Yeah. Asking the right questions, I think is what we always say. Ask the right Mm -hmm. questions, ask the right people. I think it's important to talk to the admissions people, but it's also important, like talk to somebody who is going to be, who is in your shoes if you went there. Yeah. Talk to somebody. I hate to say this and I love admission people. It's something I've done for, for quite a while now, but talk to somebody who's not getting paid to try to get you to campus there, (laughs) right? Uh, Stop a student in the, the, the lunchroom and ask what, what is really going on and what the climate is like on campus. And, you know, those are the ones that are really going to tell you what, what life, really like. yeah, what life is like there. Right. And it could also be like, I think Ben said in his, when we talked to him a few weeks ago, it was for him a really gut feeling, just something as trivial as it really just felt right. Because, you know, here they were playing a song I like, and they were talking about things that I, I love to do. And a song, the same song was playing here. I think it was just a serendipitous gut feeling that this was the right place for him to call home for the next four years. Absolutely. Gut feeling is a huge part of it. Serendipitous. Good SAT word, by the way. Thank you. Um, so, but that gut feeling is so important, right? You've got to, there's got to be something inside you saying, this is, this is it. Yeah. And we always tell the students, don't ignore that. Mm -hmm. There's, there's a reason for that, even if you can't articulate it. So go with it. Yeah. I think they get nervous when we're like, well, why do you want to go there? I just know it's right. And we're like, okay, that's fine. That's all you got to tell us. Whatever you feels right, we're we're good with it. Okay, so for the seniors who are have made their decision, what is the next step? So first of all, just check your email to make sure you're yeah. not missing anything <laughs> from the colleges, right? To sign up for orientation and and do all the things, housing, roommates, etc. But really, the next step is just fully committing. Yeah. Just going all in, right? This is this is going to be, uh, this is the biggest decision you've made uh, probably in your life. Mm-hmm, and definitely. this is going to affect uh, the next four years and beyond of your life. And so go all in, get excited. Uh, you guys have earned it. You've worked hard. Uh, this is something that you guys should be really looking forward to. And so again, go all in, be, be excited about it and... Support your friends. Yeah. And that's, that's another big thing, right? Be excited for your friends, guys. This is, this is something that should be celebrate, celebrated all the way around. That's right. That's right. All right. Admissions decisions. It's a fun time of year. Yeah, it is. Our students have done great. So it is yeah. mostly fun. Absolutely. 
Yeah. And I think, you know, we're going to have a few that are down to the wire with their decisions because May 1st is just a few weeks away. They always know that, again, they can always come and ask that magic eight ball. Yeah. What they want. We, you know, a little pendulum one. Yeah. We've got the, the one that tells us maybe, maybe not. I don't even know what it does. Ask a friend. Yeah. Yeah. I think Um, I offered putting names in a hat and drawing those today. So, so we have alternate methods Mm -hmm. that the students can use as well. Yeah, exactly. The parents will be happy about that. All right. I think that's it for college decisions for today. I feel good about that one. It was all right. Was it good? Yeah, it was good. All right. Well, that is the end of our episode about college decision season. Our next episode is another super exciting one. Standardized testing and what does test optional mean? Super fun, but lots of questions. Lots. It's a whole new world we're living in in this test optional situation. Um, So um, be sure and follow us on Instagram at ASES College. That's where we post a lot of our stuff about the upcoming episodes. And I think we're going to have a Q&A. Like throw out some questions. What what kind of questions do you want us to talk about? What do you want us to answer? Maybe throw it up there on Instagram. You don't understand how that works, but I got, I got it. Good. We'll I'm make it work. <laughs> but all right. Thank you for listening to another episode of My College Story. Pew, pew, pew. <laughs> I think you should put that part in. <laughs>